Hey, y'all, it's Brittany. And Eric. Hopefully you and yours are safe, healthy, and enjoying what's left of summer. We're back again with a new episode of our Quibi show, The Nod with Brittany and Eric. Every episode, we dig into where the culture has been and where it's going. A new episode drops on the Quibi app every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. And each Quibi sign-up comes with a 14-day free trial. On today's episode, we're taking a look at the wave of call-outs against media organizations by Black journalists for mistreatment and a lack of diversity in newsrooms. Joining us for that conversation is Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and co-host of 60 in 6 on Quibi, Wesley Lowry. Trust me, it is a conversation you don't want to miss. So without further ado, here is our chat with Wesley. The New York Times, The Washington Post, Vogue. These publishing powerhouses are among the many companies being called out for a culture of racism. Recently, Black journalists have been speaking out against their current and former employers, leading to a wave of high-profile departures. Journalist Wesley Lowry joins us to discuss this trend and whether he thinks the changes being made will last. This is The Nod. Since uprisings against police brutality have swept the nation, some have asked, who are the people covering these stories? And do they have any vested interest in Black lives? This has led to a major reckoning for American media companies. When the Philadelphia Inquirer ran the headline, Buildings Matter Too, journalists of color called in sick in protests. About a week later, Stan Wyshnowski, the paper's executive editor, resigned. Journalist Wesley Lowry was met with hostility after his employer, The Washington Post, reprimanded him for discussing race and politics on Twitter. Long story short, now he's reporting for 60 in 6 right here on Quibi. Today, we're talking to Wesley about this culture of racism in media and whether he thinks things can change. Wesley, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, great to be here with you guys. I'm curious to start out, would you mind telling me a bit about your time at The Post and why ultimately you decided to leave? Sure, yeah, you know, so I spent six years at The Washington Post. You know, this was a newsroom like every newsroom that's going through changes in this moment. First of all, we have a president who has been pretty shameless in his uh, kind of racist rhetoric. And I don't even mean that as like a subjective opinion, just like the things he says are textbook definitionally racist, right? And so um, it's been a time where a lot of mainstream media has really grappled with how do you talk about that? How do you talk about it with clarity? Now, reporters of color typically are like, you call a spade a spade, right? Like, if it's racist, you say it's racist, right? Understandably, as we all know, uh, white people, and so therefore white journalists and white editors, are much more hesitant and much more scared of labeling anything that way. And there's this concern that, like, if you call the president that, it does that prove that you're biased against him and X, Y, and Z, right? This has been a moment in a lot of newsrooms where there's a lot of tension between their staffs and their leadership over what's the best and most responsible and ethical way to respond in this moment. I've always been someone who, like, if I'm have a platform, I'm going to talk about how we cover these issues and try to Mm -hmm. pressure the industry to cover them differently. I think that some of my dear friends at The Post kind of got tired of that. And then 60 Minutes came to me with an amazing opportunity, and I was like, you don't have to ask me twice. I'm good. Actually, on the day that we are taping this, you released an op-ed in The Times titled A Reckoning Over Objectivity Led by Black Journalists. Um, You know, you argue that the concept of objectivity is something that's sort of like created by white editors to the benefit of white readers and not freaking them out. 
out or scaring them in any sort of way. Talk to us a little bit more about how that dynamic works and what you propose as the alternative. I'm, as you might notice, very light-skinned, right? You know, like my treatment was objectively better than the treatment of a lot of my other colleagues of color, right? And I'm like at my breaking point, which only begins to tell you where a bunch of other people are and people who've been run out of the industry over the course of generations. What we know, right, is that all journalism is based on a series of subjective decisions. So when we're trying to decide if journalism writ large has been fair, we have to look at who is making those subjective decisions and are those subjective decisions in line with what needs to be covered and what doesn't need to be covered. So when you look at stories, for example, like Flint, Michigan, largely missed until way late into it, right? There's a question of why was that? And to be clear, Flint, Michigan, to my knowledge, doesn't have clean water today. And yet I don't know who is out there reporting on it still, right? Can you talk to us about how social media and kind of the ability for Black journalists to speak directly to the public has changed almost the power dynamic between Black journalists and white media gatekeepers? All of us who grew up digitally native, we tweet everything. Because of that, you very often see Black and brown journalists expressing their true selves and their full feelings about these issues in these public spheres. And unfortunately, the culture of so many of our newsrooms is such that our newsrooms only respond to public pressure and public embarrassment. And so what we're seeing is increased number of black and brown journalists, women journalists speaking out directly about coverage of things and then being subject to punitive action from their bosses. Well, the fact that you said this means you're not objective and you can't do journalism anymore, right? So the stakes for black people feel really high right now. Obviously there's COVID-19, there are uprisings all over the country about racial injustice. In addition to that, we're still being affected disproportionately in unemployment, health outcomes, and we're underrepresented in newsrooms. Can mm. you talk to me about why it's important for media organizations to be diverse at every level, not just for the people who work there, but also mm -hmm. for the people who consume the media? Journalism is one of the first means of our collective memory, what we write down, whose accounts we record, where we apply pressure, what we allow to fall off. And so it's really important that that collective memory is telling us a full, sweeping, accurate portrayal of the entire society not just what the elite white people thought in a moment, right? When we look at the representation of our newsrooms, we know that we got one box checked a hundred times and then like a black guy. We don't actually have a, a newsroom, a staff of people, a team that reflects the diversity and complication of our country. And because of that, it harms our journalism and our ability to do our journalism. A question that I think many people are asking is, you know, how do we expand and continue these conversations across every industry? What's the point of us being at this table if we're not going to get to eat too. The point is not just to be here. <laughs> like the, the point is for us to contribute to the, our industries, right? And to make our industries be better. And like I said, I think for too often, the gatekeepers of these industries have focused so hard on running out those black people and replacing them with more docile black people than saying, hmm, I wonder why every black guy, every black woman who comes in here has these same three complaints. Perhaps we could fix them. Wesley, thank you so much. Honestly, you, you really shared some wisdom with us today. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you and your work? I have a feeling it's somewhat close to where they can find us. I am a correspondent for 66 here in the Quibia, is where I think you all are watching us right now. I'm on every platform, just at Wesley Lowry, IG, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. 
head over to our Twitter, at The Nod Show, where we will be reposting some of the Twitter threads mentioned in this episode. And if you want to know when every new episode of The Nod goes live, head on over to our show page and click the follow button. And don't forget to tap that bell to make sure you get notifications. Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you next time here on The Nod. Thank you.